Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Banking Weekly from the Financial Times with me, Patrick Jenkins. Joining me in the studio today is Martin Arnold, our banking editor. And our guest this week is Davide Serra from Hedge Fund Algebris. This week, we'll be discussing the latest hedge fund bets on the banking sector, a look at the proposed deal between Virgin Money and Clydesdale, and a look at Greek banks as they suffer badly in the stress tests. First, though, to that hedge fund story. And Martin, there's been a couple of interesting bits of news in terms of hedge funds showing interest in banks In the US, we've seen Value Act pick up a $1.2 billion stake in Citigroup. And here, your own story, an interesting one about Caius Capital, signalling that they think Unicredit has been misreporting its capital levels. Presumably, we don't know, but we're guessing this might mean that Caius Capital is shorting some of the bank's instruments. We'll go on to talk to Davide Serra from Algebris, a keen bank investor through his hedge fund. But first of all, give us your thoughts on both of these stories. Is there anything that brings them together or or these two very distinct stories, do you think? I think there is an overarching theme here, which is that 10 years on from the financial crisis, we are starting to see more and more activist type or distressed type, opportunistic type hedge fund investors targeting banks. And we've seen that with an activist investing in Barclays in the shape of Edward Bramson. We've seen it with Credit Suisse, just to cite a couple in the last couple of years. And now we see it with Value Act, which has taken a stake of 0.7% of Citigroup's share capital. Not immediately clear what Value Act is pushing for, but it would like, I think, more capital to be returned quicker from Citigroup to shareholders. And that's quite traditional type activist investment, it looks like. Whereas the Caius Capital one in Unicredit is more of an opportunistic play, more of a kind of standalone thing where Caius Capital is developing a bit of a niche in examining the fine print of banks' capital and the way that it's made up and looking for areas where they might have got it wrong and then taking directional bets against or in favour of those instruments and calling on the banks and regulators to force changes that would then benefit their investments. And that's what's happened here at Unicredit, which is Italy's biggest bank by assets. And it's an open question now as to what the regulator does, what the bank does, as to whether they will need to take some action that could involve converting these instruments that were issued 10 years ago into ordinary shares and that would impose very heavy losses of about 2 billion euros on the holders of these instruments called cashes, which we think Caius Capital is betting against those instruments and also think betting against Unicredit, which suffered a more than 3% fall in its shares this morning. Yeah, it's one of the biggest fallers on the Milan Stock Exchange this morning. 
presumably with this story playing into that negative view. Let me bring in Davide Serra from Algebris. Davide, thanks for joining us. You're in Milan right now, I think, and an experienced investor in banks, not least the Italian banking sector, which you know well. Maybe give us your view first on the Unicredit story. And I don't know if you know your rivals at Caius Capital. What do you think of this development? Well, let's say the letter that has been sent to VBA it's something, let's say, first of all, this cash instrument had been issued almost 10 years ago. They'd issued uh, 3 billion of bonds, and they were backed by 3 billion equivalent of shares at the point in time. So shares would be issued against the bond. Then these cash instruments were validated uh, by the EBA and the SSM in the last round of a capital increase. And hence, for all intents and purposes, this is capital. In reality, it's actually junior to capital because basically these are bonds that can only pay a coupon after three conditions are met. Unicredit must make a profit on a consolidated basis. Unicredit has to pay a dividend. And after the dividend, it must have retained profits on the balance sheet. So you would actually almost argue that this is even junior to equity. And as a result, in our view, the claim is just baseless. I mean, you're an experienced investor on the debt side of a lot of banks. Can you say whether you've got the opposite position on this? We are one of the largest investors in the world in banks' debt, and we have been um, buying uh, some of these instruments at about 40 cents. Today, they're trading at around 70 cents. And we think, you know, this letter is basically, you know, shot up in the sky and tried to change uh, something that is very clear for the last 10 years. And we think even technically we are wrong. And because this has already been tested twice, the in rule of law, I think their claim is baseless. Let's move on to the other example, the Citigroup Value Act investment. Would you go along with Martin's thesis that, yes, it's a very different type of investment, but what unites these two bits of news is that activist investors from the hedge fund community are becoming more activist, if you like, 10 years on from the crisis, maybe when there's more individual stories to focus in on rather than kind of sectoral or sector-wide trends that are dictated by policymakers. Yes. So while I think Unicredit, it's a speculative bet, I imagine it's probably little money trying to get a publicity. The company that is doing it has less than two to 300 million in capital. So basically irrelevant in today's world. It's right to make some noise. In the case of um, Citibank here, we're talking about a real investment. We're talking about a you know, billion, a billion point two dollars. So this is real money. It's only 0.7% of Citibank because it's huge. But in reality here, the only thing that I'm saying is within the company could return capital faster, could do share buyback, and hence the stock is cheap. Well, we all agree the financials are very cheap, in particular in a rising rates environment. In my view here, what Value Act failed totally to understand, that it's up to the central bank and the seeker process to decide how much capital can Citibank pay back. It's not up to shareholder, nor to management to decide. And hence, to me, it shows that Value Act has never actually sat down in a central bank meeting or fully comprehend the regulatory process, which global CIF institution needs to go through. There is nothing that is capital-related where shareholder or management has any say, meaning they can only propose, and it's up to central banker to decide. And hence, they can shout and scream, it's up to the central bank to decide. Very good. So it sounds like you're not going to be following their uh, lead and investing in City on that basis. Just a final thing, in terms of either the kind of bullish or bearish bets that you find most attractive in the banking sphere around the world at the moment, what would you highlight? 
Yeah, so I think uh, the most compelling investments in our space right now, there are some in the U.S., some in Europe. In the U.S., I think the most compelling today will be Blackstone. Just to give you an idea, they floated at $35 a share. Today, they're below, and their assets in between have quadrupled. So you get full times the business for the same price. That's something I've never seen it. And it's partly technical because it's not the C-Corp, but it's a partnership. And as a result, not many passive investors or large mutual funds can own it. And I think today it has a free cash flow yield in the range of you know, 9 to 10%, which is unheard of given the current rates environment. And they are by far the most profitable alternative investor in the world. To give you an idea, they post the same profit as BlackRock. Blackstone has $440 billion of assets, BlackRock $6.5 trillion. So same profits, BlackRock has uh, you know, 15 times more capital. So they're clearly doing something good. Secondly, in Europe, we really like the rising rates theme, meaning the ECB to normalize zero rates environment and eventually next year rising rates. And there we have multiple plays. We like Banco Santander. We like Banco Intesa. We like Unicredit as a rising rates play. Well, we'll see. I'll come back to you in a year's time, Davide, and see if your bets have paid off. But in the meantime, thanks ever so much for joining us. Let's move on to our second topic. There's a big bank merger brewing, Martin, in the UK. Well, I say big as between two challenger banks, Clydesdale and Virgin Money. What's going on here? Two of the biggest challenger banks, they're weeny teeny compared to the big four high street banks, but we've seen them growing rapidly. There's a whole plethora of these smaller so-called challenger banks that have shot up since the financial crisis with the encouragement of the government. And last night, we got confirmation that two of them are in talks to merge. CYBG, which owns the Clydesdale and Yorkshire Bank brands, has made an approach for Virgin Money, which is is the bank that, if you remember, bought most of the assets, the good assets of Northern Rock after it was bailed out by the British government. And the approach values Virgin Money at about £1.6 billion. And it's an all-share offer. And this would create the biggest challenger bank of them all, if you don't count Banco Santander as a challenger bank, that is. Uh, the Spanish bank has got a much bigger operation. But the reason this is happening, I think, is that from many years of fairly benign economic and financial conditions for challenger banks to grow their loan books rapidly, those are changing now. The competitive environment is getting tougher. You're seeing the big banks looking to take more market share, particularly in mortgages like HSBC, getting more aggressive on pricing. And on the funding side, they're getting squeezed because the Bank of England is withdrawn its cheap funding programs for the banks to encourage them to lend. Most recently, the term funding scheme expired. So that means that the challenger banks are going to find it tougher to get sources of cheap funding. They're going to have to compete for deposits, and that's going to squeeze their margins. And quickly, a final view on, is this likely to be a good deal for Clydesdale? Virgin Money has been quite aggressive. They've been seen to be on the most aggressive end of some products in terms of pricing and so on. Are Clydesdale buying a good asset or a bad asset? You're thinking of credit cards, I think. They've been very aggressive on the 0% balance transfer offers that they've been offering to customers on their credit card book. 
But broadly speaking, I think the Credit Card Book is mostly a, a decent book. And that's an expansion for Clydesdale because they haven't got a credit card offering. And in a way, it's a good fit because also Virgin Money has struggled to launch a workable current account offer or a small business banking proposition. And Clydesdale has both of those things, whereas Virgin Money has a very good brand, which Clydesdale arguably doesn't really have beyond certain parts of the north of England and Scotland, whereas Virgin Money has a brand that really has a lot more power. So there's a lot of synergies there. I think it's a bit of a low-ball bid. The offer values Virgin Money at a 15% premium, which isn't much compared to the premiums you normally get for taking control. So a lot of analysts are speculating that they may have to sweeten it somewhat by perhaps introducing a cash element and perhaps upping the price slightly to secure the deal. But they mostly think it makes sense and it reflects, as I said, a bit of a tougher climate facing these challenger banks. Well, we'll report back on how that progresses. Let's move on to our third item and a brief look at the Greek banking sector, which has obviously been through several chapters of problems over the past few years, ever since the Eurozone financial crisis in 2011. The latest news being that a European central bank stress test has revealed that each Greek bank would take a 15.5 billion euro hit in a stress scenario. Martin, firstly, I suppose, how bad is it? And secondly, does it matter? I'll make three very quick points on this. Firstly, the reason that the Greek banks have been singled out with the stress test results being published ahead of the results for all the other banks in Europe is that they wanted to get these results out there before Greece potentially exits its Eurozone bailout programme. And the state of the banks is an important element in that. So in that respect, this was reasonably good news because officials say that there is no bank that needs to urgently raise fresh equity capital as a result of these stress tests. However, the bank shares of the four big Greek banks, they all fell on Monday after the results were published over the weekend. And it does show that they are still pretty vulnerable to a crisis and particularly with their high levels of non-performing loans on their balance sheet, which in many of their cases represent about half of their entire loan book. And so if there was another economic crisis, another downturn, then they would um, be hit by pretty heavy losses on those non-performing loans. And finally, just to say that you know there was no pass or fail level for this exercise But the ECB did previously refer to an informal pass mark of 5.5% and they all cleared that even in the extreme stress scenario that you pointed out. So, you know, I think we could expect to see some capital strengthening, particularly from Piraeus, which came last in the stress tests this time. But they don't urgently have to go out and raise fresh capital, which is good news for Greece's negotiations to exit its bailout programme. Not all bad news. Very good. Well, that's it for this week. All that's left for me to do is to thank Martin and our guest, Davide Serra from Algebrist, and also thank you for listening. Remember, you can keep up to date with all of the latest banking stories at ft.com slash banking. Banking Weekly was produced by Fiona Simon. Until next week, goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.